Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out Swiss and European fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're talking to Shruti. Shruti and I met in Zurich at the event which was called Silicon Valley Meets Zurich, I believe. And uh, she's a partner at the VC firm in San Francisco and also an adjunct professor of computer science at Columbia in New York. And we're going to find out more about how this all works at the West Coast. So welcome, Shruti. How are you today? Great, Rudy. Thank you so much for having me and, and glad to be doing this. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? How did you get to do what you do? And actually, why are you doing it? Why do you like to do it? I assume that you like to do it. <laughs> That's a great question. You know, the first half of my career, I was an engineer, building products, loving it. And I always knew I wanted to start a company. And when I did that after, after engineering for about a decade, I realized that I didn't know how to build a company. I knew how to build products, but not build company. And so I kind of went into this journey of trying to figure out what makes a company, especially a venture-backed company with high rapid growth, things like that, fundraising. And as I went into exploring that, I, I ended up in the VC world because that is, you know, VCs back companies. I thought I would spend some time in the venture world and then go back and build a company but as I was in the venture world, which has now been almost uh, a decade also, which, as I was doing that, I, I found out that my ability to speak both the venture world, the business world, the, the engineering world, and be kind of a connector for these different groups was valuable. And helping certain technical founders to build a company, not just a product like what I was doing was super helpful to them and was super valuable and um, thrilling for me to see that I could do that. So I ended up staying in the venture world and the company I ended up starting after that from all the learnings is a venture fund that I run now, which is Array Ventures. So our focus at Array, technically I can go into what we do, but the value is being able to, to invest in technical founders and help them think about Go to market, growing their business uh, beyond beyond a feature and a product. All right, uh, but what's your focus? I mean, uh, tell us a little bit about what what it does, right? I mean, uh, are you focusing on early, very early stage, later stage, um, any industry preference or uh, a geographic preference? My background has always been in uh, enterprise data companies, so you know, didn't sway too far from that. I've been also investing in that category. So when we started Array about four and a half years ago, the idea was to fund enterprise technical founders at the early stages. So first check when they're starting their company. Oftentimes founders don't even have an entity or you know lawyers or anything. So we help them even through that. 
and and form and form the companies. So we are that early. Usually people take angel money at that stage and then we're the other you know, investor in the round. I, I like to call ourselves, even though we're a venture fund, we like to call ourselves a angel fund just because it's a stage that we invest in. And we focus on enterprise companies, meaning companies that sell to other businesses. And our biggest value add is helping companies and founders that are solving big problems in the enterprise world and helping them think about how they grow from two, three customers to 10 to 15 customers. You know, you're looking at companies quite early on. So how big of a ticket does it make sense for you to, to deal with, right? How big of the how big these companies are? Yeah, at that stage, when when we're investing, they're raising maybe anywhere from half a million to a couple million dollars. And so we invest anywhere from half a million to a million dollars. We like to lead the rounds when we can, but we are also open to following. But this is the check size we write. So we end up being a large investor at that round. We talked about the life cycle. Just wanted to ask you like, okay, you say quite early stage. So does it mean that if I come to you with a deck and nothing else and no revenues that you are able to still write the check to me or, or not yet? Yeah, definitely. That is exactly the stage. Usually it's founders who have the passion. They've experienced the problems in the past in their in their careers and you know wherever they're working. They're very experienced, right? So we are basically just helping them think through the problem in more of a context of a large business. And we're saying this problem is real based on your experience. And you think you can get a few customers, your friends to buy your product in, in four to six months. Once you build a product, you know, we want to invest. So oftentimes it's that stage or founders have built something minimum and they have a few friends who are saying, you know, if you're building this, it's so valuable, I want to buy it, which is exactly the conviction they had before they left their jobs, right? These founders often are high pay, highly paid in their current companies, and the risk for them is very high. You know, the opportunity cost is very high, but the pain point that they're really willing to solve and are really excited about that they want to forego all those opportunities to build this bigger opportunity down the road is exactly why we invest in them. And then we help them think through how they get from there to uh, the next stage, Series A and $100 million plus dollar company in revenue, things like that. Yeah. Do you have a geographic focus? I mean, uh, obviously, they are based in the US. Uh, so that's a big market. But uh, if they would be going to expand ex internationally, do you help them as well? Or how does that work? Usually, the companies start out that way. So we've invested a lot in founders from different backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds. And so oftentimes they also have connections back in their countries. And so we have a lot of our founders are based in US, but also have offices back in Israel or India or something like that. And usually it's more like co-founders that they've worked with in the past and they trust. And so either the sales or the technical offices are back in, in these other countries. But we look at ourselves as someone who invests primarily in you know in the US incorporated companies but what incorporated means is pretty casual these days especially in the era of remote work and so uh, the teams are pretty distributed and it's more about who you sell to and for us 
that's more of a key point. We like investing in companies that sell to global customers. That's how I think that's how I think about it instead of one particular geography. Well, that's what I wanted to hear. Not that I told you the answer before, but uh, you know, my view is that if it's a tech company, especially if you say that it's an enterprise technology, then uh, sky's the limit, right? Absolutely. All right. And how, how do you find find them or how do you find the investable ideas? You know, some people say, well, you know, it's our connections, it's our bread and butter and, and uh, we've got so much inbound, we don't know what to do with. Others say, well, we go to conferences and we scout people there as well. And uh, the others say, well, it's basically a mixture of all of these. And uh, we try to use and leverage the technology as well to, say, come up with the long list using an AI crawler or something like this and then do some sort of a check on the founder so how does that work for you great question i think that's the biggest thing that vcs try to pride themselves on i'm not sure if that is where uh we think that it's the the future is but at the same time sourcing uh, deals from unique sources is uh, vcs kind of unique angle for us um, it is definitely our network and since i've been investing for almost a decade now and been working for another decade before that. And we invest in very technical founders. A lot of my network is folks who worked with me in the past um, are now, you know, ready to solve big problems and start companies, or I was their investor in their previous companies, and now they're ready to start another company. So that's, it's, uh, it's that and then our network, otherwise, that kind of brings in a lot of inbound for us. And then we're also pretty brand focused. So we're out there really kind of creating content like what I'm doing here for you, <laughs> being able to put our voice out there, our point of view out there, and then attracting some founders that way as well. Right. So would you say that you backing the founders more than the idea or it depends? Actually, both. I don't think one goes without the other. I think the idea is very important and the founders have had to work in, in that space for us before. We don't, because of the kinds of things we invest in, we like founders that have worked in the category before and know the pain point in and out and then have the technical skills to actually solve that problem. So you said that you rely a lot on your network and you, you know, you've, you worked in this field for a while, so you have uh, tremendous inbound uh, sourcing capabilities. But if you do get ideas from somebody else, is there any particular source that you like, whether that's professional advisors or incubators or accelerators or you don't really believe in them that they would bring you a, a good quality idea. We may have invested in some of those companies, but it's not it's not something we go source from actively because our point of view is we want to be valuable so early on. If they've already kind of come out of an accelerator or or you know or things like that, they you know they may not need us that much, which is fine because then we can write a check with that point of view but it depends so that but ideally we we like to just back the founders right when they're starting the company not after they've been through an accelerator and uh, so you you know you just mentioned the, your investment approach to 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 some degree right so what what is it how do you go about this are you pushing for a, for a board seat all the time or sometimes you're okay with an observer seat or uh, you know you you said that you're trying to lead the round but uh, is it is it a must for you or do you make compromises if you like the idea that much and what sort of percentage of the stake are you going for as I mentioned, it's not, there's nothing fixed. The percentage stake we're going for is more 
anywhere from six to twelve percent. You know, we're, we can lead or follow with with that. It can. We're pretty flexible on the instrument. It could be a equity round or or node or safe. Yeah, I don't think we don't have we don't have that many rules as long as we believe that the founders can involve us and we're you know one phone call away for them and and we kind of have a good chemistry we like it when the founders are more communicative informative we want them to give us their updates monthly so we know how to be valuable uh, to them and help them in return so that's that's how we think about more of uh working with the founders versus you know in a structured board media board member or things like that way which we can do, but again, even then it boils down to how we work together as a board and these are the things that matter to us. Can you share some success stories of the startups that you worked with? Yeah, we worked with a company, for example, called Simility, and they were acquired by PayPal a couple of years ago and we returned a good good amount of our first fund. They were a fraud detection company exactly in the B2B space, selling to banks, marketplaces, e-commerce platforms. And yeah, and they, they were on a good trajectory and then uh, got acquired um, by PayPal, which was a great outcome for everyone. Uh, too soon, but, but great outcome nonetheless. And so it's companies like that. We just had another exit recently. Passage.ai was acquired by ServiceNow. So it's a similar play for us. We like companies that are, uh, again, technical, solving a big pain point. So it's like fraud detection, security, customer success, HR tech, anything as broad as that infrastructure cloud. So anything broad categorically in in the B2B space generally, and then us being able to see where they fit in the larger environment. How do you continue to learn to stay on top of the things in your role and in your industry? Is there anything in particular that you would recommend to people to uh, to follow or t- as a resource? That's a good question. Frankly, that is how you become antiquated if you don't stay on top of you know your learning, reading at, you know some of the top conferences, papers that come out of there, or just kind of staying in touch with some of the top engineering thought leaders. Make you know for me, it's also staying close to the students that I teach in the computer science department. It could be many ways. I think it's as long as you have the mindset of learning and curiosity, it's a great way to stay on top of what's happening in the on the tech stack in the in the tech world. Who's making money? What new competitors have come through? What are they solving for real? So it's a lot of learning, and you have to stay fresh on that perspective. Following up on that, how do you see the current status of the tech scene in the West Coast versus, say, first New York and then the rest of the world? Some people say, you know, this is very early stage scene. This is obviously technology driven and industry agnostic. New York is a bit more fintech, for example. But there is a knowledge here that uh, is fantastic for investors to tap into. There are many serial entrepreneurs that you can bet uh, you you can bet on, right? So, how do you see the scene in the in the Bay Area today? Frankly, I don't really have a point, strong point of view, other than it is easier for me to call someone. Here and everyone's connected with one or two degrees of separation. That is more important. And it's also important to know who they're selling to, the companies are selling to, and where their customer concentration is going to be. So if the customers are going to be in New York because they sell to a lot of banks or whatever industry they're going after, for us, we tend to be still more Silicon Valley heavy, but it's more about, I I don't really care you know, where you're located, as long as you're able to get to your customer 
as soon as the customer wants to talk to you. What would be the key piece of advice you would like to give to the founders uh, when they approach you with the idea? What are the things that you would like to see? You know, just like what I said about us, the founders also have to stay hungry and, and curious. And the biggest thing is life as a founder is not a playbook. It's not taught in any school. You, The schools may try, but it's not something you can teach. And with that, you have to stay agile. Curveballs come at you and... You just kind of have to be able to say, this is what's come towards me and how am I going to tackle it so I can become a big business regardless of what's come my way. Right. So thank you, Shruti. And uh, my last question is, where do aspiring entrepreneurs find you or LPs and what kind of people would you like to hear from most? Founders and LPs all welcome. I would love to talk to you. I'll just share more about what we do and hopefully invest in you if you're a founder. And uh, you can find me, uh, my email is shruti at array.vc or online on Twitter at at shruti or you can basically find me across most of these social media channels. Thank you, Shruti, and uh, good luck to Array Ventures. Thank you so much for having me, Rudy. Really appreciate it. Excited to see how this episode comes out. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com, where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.